0: Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC
1: Connect. We are live. I I recognize that brick wall in the background. I've seen that at least a couple times. Is that your
0: home? I keep trying to escape and I keep getting put back in the pen. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: looks like you're in a dungeon, actually.
0: Yeah. So while, while we're waiting... The tortilla challenge. Can you explain that to me? I, I, somebody mentioned it and I thought, figured if anybody knew you would.
1: The, the the one chip challenge. I think it was a thing like six months ago, you know, like dumb teenagers, like trying to eat this ridiculously hot tortilla chip. I was saying before we went live, I was at a high school football game last fall and saw some kid like at the ambulance had to come and, you know, the kid ended up being OK. But, you know, it was Yeah, I'm referring to the tortilla challenge, which is where you take a tortilla
0: and you slap the other person with the tortilla while they have a mouth full of water and the first one to laugh loses.
1: Oh, I, yes, I, yeah, I know, yeah, I should, okay, I'm out of touch. I have four teenagers, you think I'd know that because they've been doing it to each
0: other. So wait a minute, so like, Rich, like in Chicago, you and I could be up there on the stage and we have a mouthful of water which would probably make me spit the water out just like knowing that you had a mouthful of water and we sit there and hit each other with tortillas tortillas until somebody spits out the water
1: that's what kids are doing these days the youth of america on tiktok yeah
0: you know rich when i was a kid we used to you know construct airplane models or you know go karts or figure out how gyroscopes work and so forth and now they're just they're hitting each other with tortillas. I thought the airplane wasn't invented until you were like 20. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Happy Friday, everyone. With mortgage collaborative, uh, oh, with rundown with Robin Rich, where we take you into the weekend by running through the week that was in the always wild and wacky mortgage industry. And uh, as always, pleased to be joined by my esteemed colleague. And co host Rob Chrisman. Rob, yeah. great to see you.
0: Great to be here. Our first, old great joke. Great to be made out. fun of. <laughs> well, let's
1: go ahead and get into it. Um, so, the news of the week uh, was a little disappointing if you're bullish on the economy. Jobless claims came in about 11,000 higher than expected the same day. The Philly Fed Manufacturing Index, it's an uh, interview of top huge manufacturers across America, uh, really fell. And then the like the employment component of that, I think basically like 80% of major manufacturers said they were, had increased wages in the last three months and 0% had cut them. So just the sprinkle of uh, labor market headwind stuff that's out there that's got some people a little bit nervous has helped mortgage rates uh, push mortgage rates back down in the low to mid fives after they've been in the sixes. So, uh, would you think of the the news of the last week?
0: So, there was a lot of news last week, and I know we didn't have the consumer price index or the producer price index, and that was from the week before. But I think that generally speaking, Rich, you know, we we've been hearing about recession, recession, recession for the last year, and if you look at historical recessions, what happens is, gosh, interest rates go down. So the problem, of course, is that you may not have as many borrowers qualify as during a, a non-recessionary period. But the the question is, what will a recession do to interest rates? And the in terms of what you were just talking about, the pieces of news that we receive every week from various sources, Bureau of Labor Statistics or the Census Bureau, National Association of Realtors and so forth, you have to put each one of those news items in perspective in terms of what is the Fed going to think about that news? How will that piece of news impact what the Federal Open Market Committee might do? Right now, they meet next week, three quarters of another three quarters of a percent increase is is baked into the market and so if they come out with a hundred that will have one impact if they only come out with 50 that'll come out the market will react differently but overall when we hear about this weak news the the question is how will the fed react to that and that 10 that has been tending lately to push mortgage rates down and sure the curve is inverted, but you know, there aren't a lot of mortgage companies that are offering you know overnight mortgages or one week mortgages or one year mortgages. It's impacting the intermediate arm prices relative to 30 year fixed rate mortgage prices, actually working for the benefits slightly of independent mortgage banks who have been behind the curve in terms of being able to offer some of these intermediate arm products and so it's actually helping 30-year rates versus you know three ones or five ones, seven ones. But overall, the strong economic news or the weak economic news that comes out, it's viewed in terms of, of what is the Fed going to going to think about it. And so recently, you know, we've been up a little bit and down a little bit. And uh, you know, nothing, nothing goes straight up or straight down forever. So, you know, the market seems actually more or less content right here. And given the fact that most expectations are for a three-quarter point increase next week, we could we could be looking at the same rate profiles next Friday as we are today. Reuters just did a poll of 102 economists
1: nationally, 98 of the 102 saying they expect the 75 basis point increase just for... Saying they expect 100. Uh, also of note um, in the survey, 40% felt like we would go into the official definition of a recession. The 40% of those economists polled. So uh, 40, 60 right now, if you believe Reuters poll of 102 economists nationally. So uh, also of note in the poll, 62%, Rob, agreed with your theory that our airport parking lots are always full. <laughs> Uh, 40% now believe Deshaun Watson is going to get four games or less uh, suspension for my Browns as well. So, very interesting uh, report from Reuters.
0: Yeah. Why didn't they stop at 100? How did they, how did they settle on 102 uh, 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 economists? And so, I hope uh, Mike Fratt and Tony was, was part of that group of 102. But sure, if you, uh, Harry Truman was famous for saying, that uh, he wished he, he had an economist with three three hands because he he would hear from his economists and they'd all say, on the one hand this and on the other hand that uh, you know if you if you put a, a get a room full of or you know a room with five economists, you're going to end up with six opinions. And so the, the question is, you know what 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 were the 102 economists thinking, Uh, in the early months of 2020 or what were the economists thinking in the early months of this year before Russia attacked Ukraine? So I, the forecasts are good. The question once again is, is what will lenders do? What will we come out and uh, you know, after the fed meeting and they, and they raise the overnight fed funds, which are, which is the rate that fit banks charge each other, by the way. So they, they raise their target rate. Then what? What are, what are lenders going to do? And I'm continuing to hear about lenders cutting costs, cutting personnel, laying people off selectively, and just trying to add products so that their borrowers can, can still borrow money in this kind of environment where yeah, rates are higher than they were six or nine months ago. But people still need home loans and people still want to own homes. So it's just a matter of rates are going to do what they're going to do, just like the weather does what it's going to do. There's nothing you can really do about the weather. You can pack a raincoat. Uh, There's nothing really we can do about interest rates other than encourage your capital markets teams to go out and get products that you can offer your borrowers yeah
1: federal government <clears throat> trying
0: to do their part as well sandra thompson
1: who uh, we've seen speak at our conferences a few times and um you know was uh spoke to congress this week on a number of different issues uh, not a lot of breaking news um kind of tight lip basically on on some things they asked her about just in general conservatorship and you know, and she said, I, I like what she said. She's like, listen, you I, I, believe me, I want nothing better than a Congress to figure out what they want to do with FHFA and Fannie and Freddie, like make a decision and let's work huh. towards it, which, you know, she kind of reiterated that and said that, you know, how tough exiting conservatorship is and that they're doing things to, you know, prepare for that uh, without that directive and was asked about, um FICO, you know, they're debating right now, keep FICO, replace FICO, or allow a two-score system. And what would that two-score system look like? Would it be both? Would it be one or the other? Um, some of the appraisal bias stuff that we've seen pop up, she was asked about. And and then uh, probably most notably to our listeners, uh, just delivery fee, loan-level price adjustment review. Uh, we know that we saw increases on the second homes uh, and investment properties. We felt at the time like that would, that was kind of giveth or taketh in one hand to give to the other to see some help on the, maybe the 90s, the 95s, the 680 FICO stuff. So she said they're getting close on that. It's one of their, she said it was one of their top priorities for the rest of the year. And that uh, they're looking at not only loan level price adjustments and delivery fees, but guaranteed fees as well. We've talked on this show uh, many times, the the hidden fee that uh, lenders that, that sell through the cash window pay, but don't, tangibly, see? So uh, any thoughts on some of the stuff from Sandra this week?
0: So she's she's in an interesting situation because nothing, you know, of course, I'll come out and say this and everybody will disagree. But in my opinion, nothing's really dramatically broken right now with in, in the lending world. You know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are doing their things. Sure, let's tweak the prices. Sure, let's you know tw- you know adjust the loan level price adjustments. Oh, let's adjust the guarantee fee, so forth. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac aren't broken. The investors that are out there, the correspondent investors, the Chase, the Amer Homes, the Penny Mac, the Wells Fargo—they're not broken. They're continuing to buy loans. If anything's broken, if anything is is kind of getting frayed, I would say, unfortunately, it's in the non QM world. And we keep waiting for non QM really to blossom. And we've had Robert on here from ACNC a number of times, obviously a huge proponent of of non QM lending. And just when 2022 starts to go and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and FHA and VA, you know, we've done millions of refis. And so let's turn our attention to non QM and see what they have and, and roll out those products. All of a sudden, you know, Sprout and, and First Guarantee go belly up. And so, holy smokes, you know, what's going on in the non QM world? Are we going to go back to March of 2020, where lenders are afraid to offer that product or offer non agency product for fear of whoever they have those loans locked in with, you know, th- throwing in the towel? And so, unfortunately for lenders, this non-qm sector as i said is it's not broken per se but it's the, the herd is spooked somewhat but Sandra Thompson's you know she's taking over uh the fhfa as i said fannie mae and freddie mac aren't broken they're continuing to to carry out their mission they're doing some things and, and sure she can talk about adjusting this and tweaking that and you know moving this here and so forth but you know it's really really not there's nothing dramatic that needs to be done, and sure, let's uh, you know on the FHA side, let's adjust the insurance premium on um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Let's adjust the guarantee fees, uh, but you know that's going to help a certain segment of borrowers. But but like I said, millions of people have, have refinanced or purchased home uh, homes in the last few years, just fine. So I don't know how much. You know, there'll always be some tweaking to do and some, you know, let's let's figure out FICO and let's let's roll out a new credit, something or other. or Let's do this or let's do that. But all in all, I say, as an industry, we're in pretty good shape. Great point. I mean, it's easy to
1: be critical of things and to suggest improvements. But think about Fannie and Freddie under FHFA since they went into conservatorship in 2008. I would love to see the study on the amount of money. That, like that, that is a news story I think you'll see written soon in the next, you know, uh, because the amount of money that Fannie and Freddie have pumped into the federal government, um, pretty without major since the meltdown in 08, I mean, have been really, government has been running mortgage largely in America. And to your point, it's a very liquid, healthy market. Um, you know, the markets, the international markets have strong confidence in, uh Fannie and Freddie, U.S. government-backed bonds. It's a huge part in why 30-year fixed rates were able. You can't have 30-year fixed rates in the twos, in the low twos, without great confidence in uh, you know, on the buyer side, on the mortgage, for the mortgage bonds. So, um, yeah, I mean, think about it now. It's been, man, how long, 15 years since Fannie and Freddie have been in the conservation, and they've done a really good job just kind of facilitating the housing finance industry in America, and they don't get any credit for it ever,
0: so. No, and in fact, you'll, you in fact, what we've seen from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are, A, the, the employees of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are very, hesitant and cautious about speaking out about their their current state or their direction. And then you also have a a situation where the the private label securitization market has has, uh, shrunk even. I think I read somewhere or somebody said June was the smallest month of private label securitizations that we've had in a couple of years. And so once again, you're as an industry, we're focused on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and to some extent FHA and VA. And there's not a lot of, you know, I mean, they're continuing to 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 do the things that they were meant to do. That said, I continue to field questions in emails from companies and individuals asking about. Down payment assistance programs, asking about renovation programs, construction to perm. You know, where can I get where can I get a good HELOC? Uh, who's you know who's good in jumbo? Who's got the hot hand in non-QM? So, loan officers and lenders are continuing to search for programs that are out there, and in an effort to try to help their borrowers. But right now, uh, interestingly enough. I'm seeing, and there's uh, this is purely anecdotal uh, that there are more for sale signs popping up in, in my travels that I've seen than I've seen for quite some time. And so, the, the, the all cash, you know, for a couple months ago, everybody was talking about all cash buyers and also programs that lenders would roll out. That simulated an all cash buyer, and they were they were all the craze. Like I say, a couple of months ago, now, uh, in fact, I, I published tomorrow in my commentary a letter from a, a realtor who talks about seeing not only more for sale signs but fewer offers on each property, but he cautions us to re, or caution me cautions. You know, we're heading, we're heading towards a normal real estate market. And the, the abnormal real estate market is, gee, 10 all-cash offers on every property that comes up for sale because there are no properties for sale and everybody's got a bunch of money. Now, let's say we go back to two or three all-cash offers and two or three offers with uh, with loans on them. And you think, oh my gosh, we're heading for a real estate crash. Well, it's not heading for a real estate crash. It's heading back towards a normal market, and I don't think any of us really mind heading back toward a normal market where there's, you know, properties are pro- appropriately priced. You get an X number of offers on each property. The lend the loan programs are there for the borrowers who qualify to buy those properties, and there's a normal normal flow of business. So, it's important for us to to watch out for those headlines those sensationalist headlines about oh are we heading for a real estate crash oh my gosh you know rates skyrocketing or oh number of offers plummeting that that those kind of things and then you read about you read into the story and suddenly well gee instead of 15 offers realtors are now seeing five offers well is that really plummeting is that really crashing no, so take take some of those headlines with a grain of salt, and the data backs up and is continuing to now
1: back up your anecdotal observations just on listings uh, up again week over week, month after month. I mean, this has been a trend now. Uh, the headlines that I saw a couple of different places this week were along the lines of uh, listings and uh, continue to increase, values not going down. I think you know this. We've been talking about it on this show for a while. That yeah, once more inventory starts to come on the market, it's not like you're going to see home values start to fall. Um, homes are being bought statistically just as quick um, as they were with a little bit more inventory on the market. I think you're going to continue to see that, honestly. So,
0: yeah, it's it's when I when I talk to uh, loan officers, yeah, I mean the volume is down quite a bit. I, I had I met up with a, a broker pal of mine earlier this week, and she was. She's she's had her measure of success or a level of success in previous years. Well, she's she's been in the business for many 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 years. Rich, believe it or not, she's older than I am, and so it's like Methuselah. Uh, and so she said that uh, I, I I said, "What are you doing the rest of the day?" And she said, "Oh, I'm going to run some errands and so forth." And I said, uh, "Oh, I said, how's the pipeline?" She goes, "I have no loans in my pipeline, zero loans." Inner pipeline and i thought wow that's very telling so even though we are seeing a little bit of a pickup of inventory in terms of for sale signs as you go down the street the the lenders out there the loan officers they're you know things are definitely slow and vendors have seen a slowdown so uh we could be we could be slow for a while then we're gonna you know before we know it autumn will be here and then winter and it'll be like, all right, what's going on? And I know the MBA just released its forecast, e- its economic forecast, talking about mortgage rates and talking about volume. Did you have a chance to look at that or think about any of those numbers?
1: I did not look at the MBA's latest forecast. What are they what are they saying on rates and final volume this year?
0: Uh rate basically rates could easily stay here. Or yeah. or they they expect and and you know, they laugh at their forecast just like. People should laugh at forecasts, but they expect mortgage rates to be about where they are now at year end. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like these rates, tough, tough toodles. You quote me on that. Uh, I have a quick, funny story about that. Quick, funny story. uh, So when I was a little kid, my grandmother had a dog. We're going way off topic here. My grandmother had a dog, and she named it Tootles. And so one day I said, "Grandma, you know how? Why did you name? Why did you name her Tootles?" And my grandmother said, "Because she looked like a tootle," <laughs> which is, you know just looked like a tootle. Well, good. There you. go. I don't know what nobody knows what a tootle exactly is, but anyway, the uh, the MBA thinks that rates are going to stay. They may not stay here for the rest of the year, but they'll they'll end the year around here. And they predicted some, some pretty, uh, I won't say drastic drops, but, you know, drops in production and uh, in terms of refis and purchases. So they scaled back on their volume estimates for 2022. And, and that's what I'm hearing out there, that things are indeed slow. So
1: this is the Rundown with Robin Rich. I'm Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined as always. By Rob Chrisman. Got about 10 minutes left in the episode. And any questions, comments anyone has, feel free to put them in the chat with the Q&A. I had a question come in, Rob. Once things settled down a little, do you think that a third party could emerge in the future and fill the conforming and high-balance conforming void created by Fannie and Freddie's changes with investor and second home loan rates, maybe a large bank or Wall Street securitization, I think at this point, we all would have expected that the private market would have stepped up a little bit more than it has to this point on second home, investor, high balance. My take on it all is it's just the value thing. I think because values have run up so much and maybe these loans are at 70, 75 percent, that just the buying community is a little tepid on the value and the collateral piece of it. Anytime you have a correction or a downturn, you know, the non-owner occupied stuff goes quicker and it's more costly to deal with. Any thoughts on that, Rob?
0: So I think that's a very good question. And it it ties into many things that we're seeing in the marketplace right now. Namely, gee, why is there a market for arms? Gee, why isn't there above par pricing? And you have a situation where, you have these mortgage companies, which are manufacturing plants for mortgages. And unless there's an outlet, unless there's a buyer for the for what we're producing at that given price, then there's no reason for that mortgage company to offer it, which is why banks and credit unions right now are really ruling the roost in terms of intermediate arm product because they have a demand for that intermediate arm product in their portfolios. But outside investors, the insurance companies, the pension funds, the money managers who are out there they have a lot of options to go out and buy you know more, not only mortgage-backed securities but a lot of your money manager you might be looking at you know European debt or treasury debt or junk bonds or corporate debt or whatever it might be. so they have options if you have a hundred million dollars you don't have to buy a hundred million dollars of Ginny Mae securities. You can buy other things, and right now, the investor appetite for anything uh, that that relates to residential lending is tepid. I think that's a good word, lukewarm, tepid. I think that they are nervous about paying over par, and going back to the question about second homes. You know, somebody going to step in and and fill the void. Well, who? Who would be the natural filler of the void? Is it going to be somebody like Chase or Wells Fargo or somebody like BlackRock, uh, Blackstone? Uh, who who you know, or is it going to be like a huge insurance company? And I'll tell you, Rich, a lot of my capital markets brethren who are out there are spending a fair chunk of time every week trying to find local banks and credit unions, to buy products from it from them and some of these banks and credit unions aren't very large and so when they're talking to a mortgage company they have to be very careful they don't want to swamp the swamp the asset boat because you don't want to roll out a product to you know guild mortgage and and w- within the first week guild mortgage you know gives you all the product that you were expecting for the whole year and as a bank, you can't handle that that amount of volume. So, if a large company were to roll something out with regard to second homes or non-owner occupied product, it has to be priced appropriately. And maybe right now the risk appetite, to your point, the risk appetite, the risk return, the risk versus interest rate, uh, uh, kind of teeter totter doesn't quite balance out, and so. Uh, I think there would be an appetite at some rate and some price, but right now, given the risk, given the values, given the alternatives that money managers have out there, rather than buy residential mortgage bank and mortgage loans. um, It's just, I just don't see us being quite there yet. Right. I mean, you could,
1: you could buy a treasury today that will pay you 3% and will not prepay for 10 years And with zero risk, zero risk whatsoever. So you always got to like compare the baseline of a fixed income asset with no risk. um, When you're starting to think about like, why are mortgage assets performing this way in the secondary market? And I think you give a great explanation of how the people that buy those things look at it. So and then, Rob, lastly, in the news, as you've been predicting for, for months now, a great piece written by the Hill I would suggest everybody just Google affordable housing. Um, it's one of the first one or two that comes up in the newsfeed. <clears throat> just about um, you're now see, starting to see some of the stuff that was put in the housing supply plan, Biden getting uh, transportation funds if you apply to do things. And the uh, column just spoke to the real world impediments on the local level and some of the headwinds to some of this affordable housing stuff that uh, <clears throat> is trying to be done right now. So I did do you have a chance to, to read through that at all?
0: I'm not, but it's, it's, yeah, we've talked about it. Anytime you have, uh, you know, somebody like Dave Chappelle in his little Ohio town saying, well, if you're going to build, how are those 50 units near this comedy club I want to put in? Well, I'm not going to put it in the comedy club. And you think, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Or, South of uh, South of San Francisco, the community of Woodside, hey, let's build some affordable housing. Oh, wait a minute, that's mountain lion habitat. Um, there's a lot of hurdles, a lot. I wouldn't even, I mean, greater than speed bumps, I'd say hurdles that local communities and neighborhoods throw at affordable housing that just makes it very, very difficult. So, um, you know, I think I mentioned several months ago, I met with a group of builders and they didn't even know how to spell affordable, so I, I joke joke about that. But still, it's a you know I I just don't see a lot of traction there, unfortunately.
1: Our friend Jerry Howard, president of the National Association of Home Builders, that's been on the show before. He's he's going nuts right now. Uh, just yeah, really making a lot of headlines and uh, about the the impediments that the builders face and
0: we should bring him Um, on again
1: we should we should absolutely it's uh you're you're definitely you're getting the unfiltered uh unfiltered raw responses from jerry for sure so but uh any big plans this weekend Rob? i found another curry i've been going through i've just been my whole family's been making fun of me i've just been beautiful summer week in cleveland been holed up in my office just sorting through old baseball cards for like 9 days straight now it uh it's been a blur.
0: You know that sounds like it's more enjoyable especially uh, I don't know what the 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 temperature's like in Twinsburg Ohio but uh in some places sitting in an air conditioned room or a basement uh, going through those things actually sounds pretty fun. Plans for the weekend I'm going to head down to uh the Western Secondary which what's that? Dana Point, right? A point. I'm on the board of the California NBA and our board meeting is Sunday afternoon. So we're going to head down there for that. What about you? A little wiffle ball action? Uh, no, that's
1: coming up in August. Um, I run the world's biggest wiffle ball tournament, world series It's a fun event, but uh, no, this weekend, uh, son's birthday, mom's birthday, having some family over. And then, uh, yeah, Sunday. Uh yeah, going to friends for some cook uh house for a cookout. So
0: any uh, out here in the newspaper, well you can't pick up a newspaper out here, Rich, without seeing some story about uh illegal wiffle ball waiting. Have you has that uh has that crisis hit uh Ohio yet? Uh, with the weighted weighted wiffle ball uh issues?
1: We we policed it pretty in, intently uh, no outside balls or bats at the world series eighth annual world series of wiffle ball. So plastic bats, the old school skinny plastic, you know, uh, official wiffle bats and balls with the eight holes. So it, uh yeah, that only. no, so.
0: And no bat waiting. Like when the black one, like, like the, somebody has anybody broken a bat and then the umpire looks inside the plastic bat and sees some, lead lining or anything no. no the bit scuffing
1: the balls if you scuff a wiffle ball you can get much more movement we use new new balls um and you know trade out old old ones but people trying to scuff the balls is a regular occurrence we got a police so
0: no uh, i won't make any racy comments well rich have a good weekend
1: Thank you, Rob. As always, enjoy the conversation uh, for our viewers. Uh, Thanks for wrapping the week up with us. Find us on YouTube uh, about an hour from now. Uh, Podcast, where most of you listen. Um, Join us live Fridays, 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to MortgageCollaborative.com. You can sign up there. Uh, But until then, have a great weekend and next week, everybody. Take care, Rob. Adios. Adios.